Brother, I'm energized. Um, I've got to thank you because what the listeners don't hear is our podcast before the podcast. Mm. And I, I have, I've laughed, I've almost cried. It is out of joy, but I'm good. <laughs> it was good to catch up, man. How, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I'm grateful. I've spent a lot of time with men this week, and that's really given me some insight that. I think I always knew under the surface, but needed to be exposed. Uh, I met up with a friend or a, a, a brother from church who doesn't speak much, but yeah, just invited me out to, to, to lunch and we had to catch up and we spoke. And then I also caught up with an old friend um, over the weekend for, uh, for dinner and yeah, the male experience is very interesting. And one thing that I can take away is there's a lot of men in pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, there's, there's, there's work to be done. There's, there's work to be done in the 21st century about shaping and understanding the, the new role of men um, yeah. and, and how, to, how to do that role effectively. But yeah, I feel blessed. I feel grateful, man. You know, there's a very old quote over two centuries old, which is most men live in quiet desperation. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Wow. But we see that, that is a that's a powerful quote. Quiet desperation. Oh, we'll delve into that today. But yeah, no, feel 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 good, man. What about yourself? How's your week? It's been a good week. I've been really intentional about how I feel myself. Um mm pre-podcast I was, I was speaking about the analogy of trying to drag a a NASA rocket mm. and doing so fueling myself as if I was a Fiat Punto rather mm. than fueling myself as if I'm a submarine and I think being really intentional in the past couple of weeks of just self-evaluating what do you actually have to do and are you fueling yourself to at least meet that mm. has, has got me to really be intentional about what I'm thinking about, what I'm, what I'm listening to, how I'm treating my body. And thus I'm finding I'm being able to endure considerably longer. Practically, I do not get home in the evenings after dealing with the kids and just crashing. But I have more energy. And my mm. purpose is, is lit within me. So, so what's what, what do some of those changes look like? So... 4.35am working out at home um, if I'm not going to the gym that will be so that Friday that was what 360 push-ups whilst listening to affirming words um, driving to work whilst listening to to the word whilst listening to um, messages reminding me of what matters the most um, getting to work and being intentional about speaking positively and not starting conversations about oh it's really warm or it's really cold mm. actually affirming the people around me um and, and just starting that day like that um thinking about my my body my, my spirit my, my mind going back to what i did many many years ago but just being consistent in it is helping me to endure because what i put before me is a marathon I hear that. 
and I'm probably in a, a similar boat. Not, I don't think I've been as intentional, but I think one of the key things that I've changed of late is to reduce the number of meaningless conversations that I have mm. and be very, very intentional about what types of conversations I am having because everything that you, every, every conversation that you have takes energy from you. Yes. But also plants a seed within you. Some of those seeds can be positive. Some of those seeds can be negative. So if I'm going to have a conversation which is taking energy, is the seed that's going to be planted in me replenishing me? Or is it something that's actually a virus? Is it a weed that's just going to grow and sap the nutrients from me? This conversation is a conversation which I put a lot of energy into. But the seed that I get back always, always bears fruit. Very wise. Um, humorous example. I was once advised that when you have tricky individuals in the workplace who often come to your office to ramble on for excessive amounts of time, the moment in which they enter, rise and walk them out. Um, go, go for a walk. <laughs> they come in, yeah. you get up, say, oh, how can I help? I'm just just, just going to pop to the, the gents. I'm just going to pop to go and see X, Y, Z. Um, that cuts that. 30, 40 hour long conversation down mm. to 10. Let's get straight it. to it. I love it. And I'm going to use it. It's beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm still uh, remote working, so I don't have to do that. But yeah, one of the interesting things that I've done recently when it comes to work conversations is when people ask for meetings and I say, yeah, well, you can put something in my diary. That's always been a bad mistake because what people tend to do when they want to meet in is put, a one hour slot in my diary. Mm. Instead, I will arrange the meeting and I will, I will give you 15 minutes. <laughs> if we need an hour, I'm sure we can have another 15 minute, half an hour conversation in the future. But now that we've given ourselves a 15 minute window, let's see if we can have a conversation that could have lasted an hour mm. in a 15 minute slot. And maybe I, maybe I use the remaining 45 minutes to do nothing but reflect or write or read something. Um, but it's not energy sapping. And I think for everybody listening, that's actually a really important thing to consider. Are the conversations that you're having fueling you or are they draining you? And if it's the latter, what can you do to distance yourself from those types of conversations? so that you are still energized to take on the challenges of the day, that you still feel charged enough to tackle what's in front of you. That is a brilliant strategy, um, one which I'm gonna adopt because it, it forces everyone to be succinct. Let, mm. Let's cut all the fat, all the fluff. And I, and the, I think the reoccurring thing between what we are both saying um, links to a, a scripture which I hold dear, which is faith comes by hearing and a few years ago, it really dawned on me that many people focus on the second part of that scripture. But the first part reminds us that what we believe in comes through what we hear. Agreed. So we should be really intentional about what we are hearing and who is speaking to us. Because they, as you mentioned, can deposit what they are carrying into you. And you will carry mm. it. Yeah, it comes... There. 
it comes under fueling. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's the only purpose of conversation. Sometimes you're doing conversation, you're delivering, having conversations for the purpose of coaching or for the purpose of um, providing insight. What I would say is that every conversation that I have has to educate, enlighten or entertain. Mm. Um, and depending on what type of conversation it is, will allude to who is being educated, who is being enlightened, or who is being entertained. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can't only be one way. If you are the person who's providing all of the education, all of the enlightenment, all of the entertainment uh, entertainment in one direction, then by the end of the day, you're going to feel very drained. Um, A a good mix is is what's required for you to, to successfully get through the day where as much as you've been feeding into other people, people have been feeding into you. I think it's really important. Absolutely crucial. Well, we always try to start off with an expensive lesson, uh, and that's the one today. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, for for another episode of Expensive Lessons, the podcast where company directors share with you the fruits of their labor, the experiences that they've learned through their entrepreneurial journey. And today we've got a very interesting kind of meta discussion that we want to have with you, something which everybody listening will be able to relate to rather as a perpetrator or a recipient of certain types of behaviours. But before we do that, I want to talk about something which many of our podcast listeners will also be aware of uh, as part of our um, business news of the week segment or this week in business. I still haven't got the name right. This week in business, that's what I'll call it. Um, And it is all about our former health secretary, uh, the the man uh, tasked with navigating through... COVID-19 and getting the country to the other side, Matt Hancock has resigned. And for those who don't know, uh, Matt Hancock was caught in quite a significant controversy uh, because he is the face of our COVID restrictions, the restrictions (laughs) that mean that people who were attending funerals, could not hug their relatives, had to um, exercise social distancing. People were unable to get married in some instances, or if they were able to get married, had to have a very restricted number of people in order for us to exercise that social distancing, um, but also maintain good um, practice while while, while in some of these intimate spaces, such as no touching, um, hand space, face, all of that. So this person has been responsible for all of that. Um, and the controversy that Man- Matt Hancock has found himself in is that he has been caught pretty much breaking all of these rules in one fell swoop. And some rules that he didn't even make, some rules that were just general <laughs> morality. So he, he really did a number on himself. He was caught in a intimate embrace with a co-worker um, and 
as a married man, um, this is completely unacceptable, let alone the fact that she was also, or she is also a, a married woman. Um, and on top of that, it later transpired that the co-worker that he was, yeah, I've, I've seen so many words on the um, on the internet to describe their interaction. It's hilarious. We've got canoodling, we've got fondling, we've got um, uh, I forgot the, there was another one as well, which was like uh, a, a, like a Cockney rhyming slang. But yeah, whatever you want to call it, this lady, her brother, is a um, director of a company that has won contracts from the government mm. um, to deliver PPE. And no matter how you spin it, there are issues here. So if the affair was going on before this lady, who has been paid a significant wage, was hired, then that's corruption. So he was having an affair with a woman and then he hires her, which is horrible. However, if the affair started after um, he hired her, then that's an abuse of power. This is somebody that works for you. So he's, he's messed up either way. And understandably, he's resigned. He stepped down as to not, uh, in his words, cause any more controversy, confusion or distraction from the task at hand, which is to get the government out of lockdown. What do we think? Wow. <clears throat> it, it reminds me of character and accomplishments. And how for some, their accomplishments are so great that people ignore their character flaws. But for others, their accomplishments aren't that great yet that their character flaws rise to the top. <laughs> um, in many people's views, um, he was doing a good job in terms of the pandemic, helping us get out of lockdown. However, he will always now be remembered as the groper Hancock. Mm. He'll always be remembered for that image. He'll always be remembered as a man who had three kids, who was having an affair with a married woman who had three kids, who was also giving her brother deals under the table. Now, many people will try to brush this under the carpet because you, you don't want to lift the lid on that because it will just bring the conservative government into disrepute. But they're going to have to. And that's it's a reminder to us about our character. Irrespective of how good a job you might be doing or how you are being perceived, particularly as an individual who ridiculed someone else for breaking COVID restrictions. Yep. Your character will be examined and your character is what you do not what you say yeah that that is a key lesson for people to take away and the point that i would like people to consider when i kind of tackle this is the importance of credible leadership mm -hmm. this is a man who had a very very difficult job because navigating through COVID means that you're an enemy regardless. If you do not put in restrictions, then people get sick and potentially die and you're a bad guy. If you put restrictions in, then people's liberties have been impacted and you're a bad guy. 
Um, it is very difficult to be liked or loved while in that position. Luckily, it wasn't Boris Johnson because we know how much he likes to be loved. Um, so taking on this task, it, I, I understand how much pressure there would be on your plate on a daily basis when almost no matter what you do, people are critiquing you. But in those instances, having strong character isn't just a nice to have. It's absolutely paramount because your ability to deliver effectively is going to be linked directly with your moral standpoints. Because what people need above anything else in these instances is people they can trust. Yes. And it doesn't matter how good a job you're doing, when you have such a challenging environment, as soon as the trust is shattered, then how are people going to trust you? How are people going to follow you into battle, for want of a better phrase? Um, are you practicing what you preach? Mm. And the answer was no, I'm not. Um, let's not forget, this isn't something that has happened recently. This is something that happened back in May. And the only reason why the individual is resigning is because he got caught. Credibility leadership is something for us all to really dwell on and really meditate on. Because people will rarely hear us, but they're constantly going to see us and what we do. Um, in, in the context which I spend a lot of my time, it's picking up the litter and putting it in the bin. No, I'm not the cleaner, but mm. if I actually claim to be a leader in this establishment, and I say that this is mine, I own it, we're going to help it to improve. Don't walk past the litter. Yeah. He potentially epitomizes a group of individuals who believe that they are ordained to be in those positions. And mm. irrespective of what they do, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, Matt Hancock is a highly educated former Oxford graduate yeah. who like his wife, came from a, a very well-off background. Um, the woman involved in this is married to a millionaire. Yeah. So, and on that note, I remember um, someone close to me saying, why on earth would she have an affair? She's married to a millionaire, which just made me laugh. Um, <laughs> what rules are they playing by? And I don't know the answer to that question. But the rule that they should be playing by is integrity moral leadership, credibility. And and consistency. Um, if you want to be an effective leader, people need to see that you are following your own rules. Um, mm. I, I find this quite interesting and I see it in a lot of spaces in my life where people encourage me to have a certain set of rules, um, encourage me to do something. Um, whatever it might be, it could be at work. And it's very interesting to see if they follow their own rules. Mm -hmm. um, whether it is um, if you're going to set up a meeting, make sure you send, send an agenda beforehand. <laughs> okay, I'll follow your rules. But then 
Are you doing the same thing? Are you setting up a meeting and sending me an agenda as an example? No. Yeah. Why, do, why is it the fact that that's something that you want, but it's not something that you're willing to deliver? Mm. Um, and I think it's very um, important for us all to be empathetic when being leaders, because we can enact rules knowing that we have no intention of following it ourselves. Very true. Because we don't have to, because we're in charge. If you're doing that, what you're demonstrating is a lack of empathy. Because you're not understanding how difficult it is for those rules that you've enacted to be followed. If you're not willing to live it, then I think it's important to think twice about delivering it. Um, and as entrepreneurs, many of you have already had that experience of doing a lot of the things that you're asking other people to do. And therefore, there might be a challenge of why aren't people just doing it? Um, and once again, I think that comes down to empathy. Mm. If you've been doing something for years, it may take people years to get to the level that you expect them to be at. But ultimately, that credibility, that consistency of being willing to do what you're asking people to do, I think is paramount. I think it's so key. Crucial. Well, good luck to him and good luck to his um, successor, uh, Sajid Javid. Also, the, these are individuals who have a lot of power and a lot of influence in this country. And even, even though I am not a supporter of either of them, I wish them the best so that we can get ourselves out of COVID as soon as possible. And that so, so many people who have had their lives disrupted much worse than I have can start to get to some level of normality. Um, Amen to that. But one thing about these individuals, <laughs> um, Sajid Javid and um, Matt Honk Hancock, is they are they're both men. They're both family men. They both have wives and children. Um, arguably, they're they're they're, they're very different. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on their plate. They have high pressure jobs, and they have a lot of scrutiny. And they come from a certain cloth in the sense of, yes, Oxbridge educated, um, high performers. And as a result, their characters have been molded by their experiences. And what I want to talk about today is something which has, has followed me around for most of my life. It's something which I have been picked up on by many people, mostly women, um, as a negative character trait. And I, I want to be generous to some of that critique and investigate it today. I would argue that Matt Hancock has it, Sajid Javid has it, Afalabi definitely has it. Um, and is it something that we need to address? What am I talking about? Well, you've probably um, guessed by the title of this podcast episode that it's about being serious. Why so serious? Is a comment or a question I've heard since almost before I can remember, which is not the case because it probably started when I was in my teens. But it, the... the Accessory questions are: You take things too seriously. 
you don't have enough fun, you're boring. Um, why don't you just let your hair down? Why don't you just let go more often? And these are questions which I think come from a good place and come from people who may be a bit concerned about me and be concerned about people like me and want to understand or want to ensure that we do not completely um, go off the rails and have some sort of crisis. But what I want to do today is give people who have ever asked that question, who have ever been concerned about that question, the opportunity to gain insight into people who have kind of embodied that serious nature Mm. so that you may never understand, but maybe you can empathize with us. Mm. So I want to touch this in in a few different uh, places. The first question that I want to ask you, Afalabi, is do you remember a time when you weren't serious, when you weren't the kind of, embodiment of what we're talking about today stoic and very 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 pensive very thoughtful forward thinking i i wish i could um and i and i genuinely wish i could um because in part i would like my children not to have to um have that identical experience but i can't Mm. and i can't largely because i always remember being self-aware i always remember being critically reflective as to who i am where i am and what might need to be done to get to the next stage and that's largely mm. because of my upbringing um very different to matt hancock's I, I didn't come from that kind of family um having lived with multiple families um several different primary schools constantly on the move great levels of instability when instability is your norm, inevitably you are aware of your situation and the fact that your situation might change. Mm. And inevitably there is a question as to, are you going to become an active participant and agent in your situation or become passively compliant to see what happens? Mm. And that's for me, I think I've, I've always been very, very thoughtful and very self-aware and thus potentially being a little bit more serious and not taking the level of um, juvenile or childish risk that some of my peers may have because I realised I was running a different race Mm. I did not have the same luxuries or privileges now privileges aren't always material, they can be by position, by status by security Um, when I look at the, the peers that I have very close to me, our, our children, our future children will have privileges which we didn't have. Mm. There are positives and negatives to that. But it's because I didn't have them, you know, that we didn't have them, that we had to be a lot more sensitive to our situation and thoughtful. Is it? Are you saying that it wouldn't have been possible for you to get to where you are now if you weren't serious or as serious as you are? Guaranteed, it wouldn't have been. Um, Unless I had someone who was being serious for me, actively, it it definitely would not have occurred. Um, When you look at all the factors, you look at the the upbringing, the environments where we grew up, we went to school in, if we weren't intentional and decided that 
we are responsible for our lives, most definitely would not have been here. So um, that's branching off to two separate questions. So I want to tackle them both. So the first question around that is, okay, well, now, I've, well, interestingly enough, I think one kind of leads into the other. So I'm going to ask one first and then wait and, and, and see what delves into it. So now that you are in a position of relative success, especially compared to where you came from, why do you still have to be so serious? Once you win, mm -hmm. learn what winning requires. Um, it is, it's, it's probably the reason why so many um, lotto winners lose their winnings. Mm -hmm. And so many of them invest a lot of their winnings into playing the lottery again. Because what they've learned is that you can win large sums of money by putting in this pound or this two pound coin. So they'll repeat mm. that process. Because I have received an, a win or wins in certain fields, I know what that now costs. Yeah. So I've got to make the decision, is that cost now my normal? Am I going to park? Or am I going to ignore it and potentially regress? Because regression is very possible. <laughs> Mm, it's so that self-awareness it's, it's inevitable and you're either progressing or you're regressing and that brings about for some people a torment for some people um a, a level of focus to really be intentional why are you doing what you're doing right now how could it potentially be improved now i preface all of this with life should be enjoyed i, I believe that we're meant to have an abundant life of of joy and not necessarily happiness but but joy um but our joy, relatively, all comes at a cost. And as Claudine Reed succinctly stated and quoted Miles Monroe, freedom isn't free. Mm. And for us, we previously have said it as we need to buy back our time. Now, freedom isn't free is better because everyone will get that. If your freedom is not free, what have you paid so far? And how much do you still have to pay? Well, interesting enough is like if you do feel free and you don't feel like you've done much to to earn it who has paid mm. who has paid for your freedom and that leads me on to the next question which is you said that if you weren't serious people would have to be serious for you yes do you feel like you are serious for others i'm serious for my son i'm serious for my daughter um i, I give them boundaries so I'll come home and my wife will ask, why have you bought him another ball? Which is, which is a valid question. He has like six or seven. He's, he's loving basketball right now. He's actually becoming quite good. He has a privilege. And it sounds odd, but to be a child, mm. to be completely carefree. But I've got to be serious for him and say, you've taken 10 minutes to tidy up those toys. Why are you taking so long to tidy up those toys? Mm. No, you're making excuses right now. You're going to go to bed. I've got to bring about discipline in his life because he's not inevitably going to have discipline. He will inevitably have the desire for entertainment, but not the desire for a disciplined life. Mm. So for me, that kind of issue is broader than just my family. So it includes my family, but as well as being serious for my loved ones and dependents, 
I think I'm also serious for some of my colleagues and close mm. friends. In some cases, the same people that may say that I am too serious are the people who turn to me in times of need yep. for to benefit from it. Exactly. For, for insight, for support. And as a result, if I wasn't the individual who was that serious person, then I wouldn't be in a position to help others. And it's, 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 it's interesting because that's not the only place it happens. Financially, I support some people and you know, I send, send money uh, to, to, to people in need. And it's very interesting to hear those same people say, Abby, you work too much. <laughs> it's a beautiful irony. It is. And I understand the picture, which is you are trying to look out for my well-being and you assume that the grass is greener until you have less. So if, I'm, if I work less and the money that I make is reduced, then that means the money that you get is less. I don't think people take that into consideration. What they're conscious of is where the deficit is, but they don't think about, okay, well, if you address that deficit, where else is being affected? Mm. And how might that impact me? So for instance, the people who kind of, let's say, want to go, go out with you, for instance, they want to go, for, go to dinner and um, they want to go to nice expensive places, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those people, if they say you're working too hard, you need to cut back your hours and I oblige and then say, let's go out to this expensive restaurant. And I say, I can't. Because I don't have the money. I don't think they actually connected to that no. actions have consequences. And I think this links back to the idea of being serious. From my perspective, is knowing full well how my actions impact my outcomes. Yes. And also having a bit of foresight to know that even though people are asking for something they haven't probably taken into consideration the broader context. Your kids, for instance, your children would love for daddy to be home 24 seven. Yes. But they don't necessarily see the idea that if daddy is home 24 seven, how long before we no longer have a roof over our heads? <laughs> is a, is a, you know, it's a nice yeah. to have as opposed to a, what are my responsibilities? What needs to be delivered? So I think, yeah, with, with, with the idea of being serious, most people in my life who I know are incredibly serious are the individuals who know that the buck stops with them. That's it. There is nobody behind them who they lean on. That's it. And therefore, as a result, they must maintain this mindset. Answer, if you want somebody who's very serious to stop being serious and you are in their life, you've got to be serious. That's it. <laughs> so that they don't have to be. The moment in which everyone in my immediate and wider circle takes full responsibility for their <laughs> outcomes, the easier my life will be. If you take full accountability for what you are doing, 
then I no longer have to be that guy. I couldn't have said it better. Okay, why are we talking about this today? Other than what it, what sounds like a bit of a rent. Um, I think it's important for people who want to be highly effective to understand what it requires. There are a lot of people who want to be taken seriously. They want to be the leader in the room. Now, for me, I know in many instances, and this is not me trying to overinflate who I am, but in many instances, when I step into a conversation, I know that all of the energy is directed towards me. People care what I have to say in response to a discussion topic. Mm. People care what decisions I'm going to make as a result of a discussion topic. And there are people who want that for themselves and will come up with every single reason under the sun as to why they are not given the same respect, except for I'm not serious enough. Do they equate that to investment? I ask that because the reason why they look to you in those conversations and the reason why they will stop speaking when you speak is they know that there has been a greater investment in you than has been in them. Mm. Now, mathematically, and I think we, at some point in our lives, we are all very good accountants, and then we choose when we are not accountants. On a tangent, when we were 15, 16-year-old boys, the females around us were all accountants. They will be able to scan us very quickly to work out how much this dude has, looking at his yeah. trainers, looking at his hat, etc., etc. Now, the same principle applies here. Let's do a little bit of a self-valuation. How much have you invested in you? To know mm. that actually what comes out of your mouth is credible, is knowledgeable, has resilience. And that they're looking towards you because they know that you have done that. And that has been done to you. Not realizing that if they played the same, no, sorry, not played the same role. If they made the same investment the quality of their lives will also be better because people will be able to lean on them. And this is about service. We're not doing this because we want to just sit on yachts. We're doing this so that we never drop the ball. Because if the ball's dropped, people don't eat. This is about oh. serving those around us. And it's not, I agree, it's if, if the ball is dropped, people don't eat. But if the, in some instances, if the ball is dropped, then people have very negative mental health consequences. Mm. Um, you may make, if I see you running headfirst into a brick wall, knowing from experience, from study, from uh, my, my, my own critical thinking, what the outcome is going to be. It is my responsibility in a sense to help you. Um, mm. There was an, there's an analogy about, um, you may have heard the snake in a garden analogy, which I think is a really beautiful analogy, which is the idea of, if I see a snake in a garden and I just come back into the house and you tell me you're about to go outside, there are two options. There is the kind of more common option that you would probably encourage people to say, hey, by the way, there is a snake in the garden. I'd recommend you, you know, think twice about going in there for the moment. Don't do it. So that's one perspective. 
Um, the other perspective is, well, you can live your life um, and I'll live mine and, mm. you know, I'll, 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 I'll leave you to it. You know, there's a snake, but you know, sometimes, sometimes you've got to see snakes. Um, me personally, I don't want to let you get bitten if I can help it. I think there are sometimes educated risks. So maybe if there was a, if there was a cat in the garden, I'd leave, I'd leave you to go investigate. Or if there are some, some, some jagged rocks in the garden, I'll leave you to go and figure that out. But if there's a snake, do I let you go down that route or do I, do I say something? It, it is a significant critique of our mindsets. Because for many people, they will see individual and collective responsibility at complete polar ends. Um, to, to, to purely simplify things, many people see conservatives as focusing on individual responsibility. I am responsible for myself, my family, um, and what I earn is for them. Collective responsibility. Um, I am my brother's keeper, etc., etc. I would argue that pursuing individual responsibility is so that I can have collective responsibility. Individual yeah. responsibility is, I'm going to get rid of that snake, or I'm going to warn you about that snake, so that you are not damaged by that snake. But I have to first act, mm. and that's my individual responsibility. Now, my action might be finding out, how, how do I get rid of a snake in the garden? I need to learn, or I need to actually be courageous and do what Google doesn't have to tell me to do and get out a weapon. <laughs> so that everyone else is actually safe. But there are many who want and des desperately desire social responsibility and the benefits of it. You helping me without realizing that if they pursued individual responsibility, they might not only be able to help themselves, but collectively we could help far more people. You're, you're right. And I think there's, there's for me two points based on what you said. One is just... The idea of if the buck stops with me, then if I don't get rid of the snake or if I don't tell you that there's a snake in a garden, I am going to have to take you to the hospital. Mm. That's going to be my job. So if I don't, if I don't play a significant role in helping you navigate some of the challenges, I'm going to have to clean up the mess. Um, the, the, the other element is when we talk about collective responsibility, you're absolutely right that we live in a time where there are so many injustices in the world and so many reasons for people to stand up and, and you know, speak truth to power. However, if we are in a space where our own environment is an absolute mess, then we are contributing to the mess. We are contributing to the yes. issue. Um, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson's um, very famous phrase, clean your room before you take on the world. Yeah. There are many people who, I think probably because it's harder to look at themselves and to, to be serious about the things they need to be serious about, that focus externally on the ills of the world when their lives are a mess. Because it's easier to focus on the vague yes. concept of, the system than it is to focus on John or Lisa or Mike. Yep. 
and say, you are messed up. You need to do something about it. And that's what we're doing. That seriousness, I think, ultimately is about understanding how far away we are from what we need to be mm-hmm. and doing something about it. It is, this is a generalization, but I have a frustration with those individuals, those social injustice warriors who mm. do not embody individual responsibility. Because when they do make an error up against the establishment, when they do make some form of faux pas, or they do forget what they tweeted five years ago, or they mm. do forget that, <laughs> they are now a public figure which the media will happily quote at any point. They inadvertently lower the credibility of the cause. Yeah. And thus, we were speaking about this offline. I rarely engage with arg- in certain topics right now. I, I don't have mm. any arguments in my life. And the reason mm. I don't is that I don't have, not that I don't have the energy for it, but my solution is I'm going to get better so that I can actually assist. Exactly. I can enact change. So I can do something. The individual responsibility. I'm going to clean my room first. I'm going to hear what they are saying. I'm going to critically examine the the truths within it and look at how I can solve it. Practically, as a black male with in living in a city like London where we're about to potentially um, exceed historical rates of knife crime and deaths what are we doing in our own community let's stop speaking about the police let's stop speaking about prejudice in the education system let's stop speaking about everyone else what are we doing for the black boys between the age of 10 and 21 as black males you're 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 making a really interesting point but i want to take it one step further you said what are we doing I want to take it even further than that. If you're listening, some people are like still still probably on 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 the cusp here. Be more specific. What are you doing? Yeah. Which doesn't involve shouting or tweeting about it. What yeah. have you done this week which has made your community better? Whatever community we're talking about. And this is it. And I think being serious, and I want to think of a better, I'm not going to call it serious. I'll call it conscientious because I think that's mm. what I'm talking about here. Being conscientious is a cure for outrage. Yes. Because rather than just reading a headline and doing what people want you to do, which is get upset, when you are conscientious, you can eat the meat, spit out the bones, and then form an action. That's it. And... You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, I'm not trying to say that ele- being conscientious all of the time is what is required. Um, but in the 21st century, as a effective male, being serious, being conscientious is a mandatory part of what you have to have. Um, and the reason being uh, that way is the reason being is, is is a few things, but I'll put it down one simple one simple avenue. We know that most of the ladies, or most of the people that listen to this podcast, are ladies. Um, very highly effective women, high performing women. Now, the thing about you as a lady listening to this is what you want of a man 
is somebody who is as effective, as high performing as you or higher. What you do not have and what you will not accept is a man who is not as effective, not as high performing as you. It doesn't happen. As men who are highly effective, we accept lower performing women all of the time because we know it is our role to provide security, to take care and to support. The buck stops with us. I'm not talking about the men who run out on their responsibilities. Guess what you call them? Guess what you say about them? You say, they're not serious. (laughs) Irony. (laughs) The irony. This person's not serious. We're talking about the men who fulfill their responsibilities, who know that the buck stops with them, and therefore, as a result, are constantly conscious of their standing, of what is expected of them, what they need to deliver. But I'll flip it and come back to something that you said earlier, Afalabi, which is we are called to have joy, not necessarily happiness, but joy. Mm. What is the difference and how important is it that we have it? That's a great question. What is the difference between joy and happiness? Happiness relies on external factors. Joy is internal. I pause mm. at that so that it can really resonate because I think that's everything I'm going to say afterwards is going to detract from that truth. It's going to try to explain it but not get to the core. I can be happy because of things happening I'm going quote unquote my way but my joy is internal irrespective of whether things are going quote unquote my way. Now if you subscribe to that definition, then you must ask yourself, okay, what must I do? What can I do for that internal joy? For many, that's around identity and purpose and spirituality. What is your identity? What does that encompass? What must you do, not other people doing to you, to maintain that, to grow that? What is your passion? Really identify that passion and then give that passion away and then you'll find purpose, joy, internal. So irrespective of what's happening elsewhere, the house burning down, people acting crazy, the stock market just declining drastically, there's just an internal joy at knowing that one, there is purpose for your life. Um, there, There are people who you are here to serve and make better. You are seeing progress in your personal development and your service for those people. So anything above that, great. Um, the Daily Mail produced an article which I found really interesting. And you can search this yourself. It was taken almost, well, 10 years ago now. Um, and I really loved the title. In actual fact, the title got changed. The title now is um, Keen on James Dean, which is, I believe, a previous um, uh, Hollywood movie star. Mm. The, ti- the first name of the title was Women Don't Find Happy Smiling Men Attractive and Prefer <laughs> Moody Types, um, <laughs> which I think is hilarious in a sense. And 
I think what it, I, I don't think, I don't, I think that's an oversimplification. Mm. But ultimately it comes back to the idea of, are you on job? That's because it. there's a level of security that comes with somebody who is on their job. And there's a little level of nervousness that comes with men in particular who seem to be a little too carefree. Um, and one thing I will say about carefree men, happy men, is that if I was to become more, quote unquote, happy, if I was to focus on my happiness a lot more than I did, the outcomes would be a lot, a lot different than what people would expect. Oh, can, can, can we can we dwell in dwell in that for a little bit? Can we just drill into that? <laughs> and this is, I think, from a from a lady's perspective, I think women know this already, but maybe they don't really want to take that into consideration. If I had more time to focus on my own happiness, I am buying a PlayStation Five, <laughs> and I'm buying the latest FIFA, and I'm getting a internet headset and me and my boys are banging it for a week what that's it i think people have these images of like oh more walks in the park no oh. i'm i'm getting in the circle with my funniest f- friends yep and we're just gonna rip each other to shreds yep those belly laughs the, the belly laughs which hurt the ones struggling that to breathe and i think that's another reason why that, that that article which was really interesting women don't find happy smiling men attractive mainly because the source of that happiness and source of the smiling is <laughs> not them it's not you said <laughs> it's not you it's my boys <laughs> so I'm serious for you <laughs> I really hope this message is not being lost because yeah, we'll be, we're, we're joking a bit, but yeah, no, it's, I think it is important for us to have joy. But as you, as you said, joy is different from happiness in, in that joy is not fickle. Yes. It's not something which is dependent on the season. Mm-hmm. It's not something which is dependent on the weather. And I think searching for that is really important. And maybe we'll do another episode where we delve into that. Um, but what I really wanted to do with this episode is just discuss what, what being serious meant to us. Um, I am very conscious of introducing joy into my life, but I'm also conscious of the responsibilities that I have and my, my role in delivering them. You made a really interesting point before we came on the podcast, which is about the older the older generation of men and why they don't stand up to defend young people like us who are on job and serious do you remember what you said I'm trying to remember what i said now um, i remember because i think I, I think it was a beautiful line um I'm, i have to say copyright afalabi joseph because i didn't come up with this you said the reason why you don't have the older men um, defending the young guys like us who are over serious in, 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 in other people's words is because they're too busy working <laughs> I remember now <laughs> it's when they're minding are, their own business gosh 
when you are focused on joy, personal growth, and serving other people, you don't have time for a lot of things that other people have time for, including mm. conversations. I remember once reading a quote that is it the 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 average mind focuses on gossip um, or, or people, and, and the great mind focuses on ideas. Mm. I think once you graduate to a point of enlightenment, I'm going to refer to this as enlightenment, and you realize that you are solely responsible, irrespective of what you believe in, you are responsible for you. You might have a loving earthly father, you have a loving heavenly father, but you are still responsible to grow. Once, once you embody that, then I think it becomes easier. For some people, they believe it becomes harder, but I think then you know that actually, all I have to focus on is, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing what I should be doing in terms of my relationships? Um, my relationships um, spiritually with the people around me? Am I doing what I should be doing in terms of my personal development? Am I serving the way that I should be serving? It's all about I. It's, mm. I think this annoys my wife that at times she might say something and then I will not respond, but I will say, well, in certain situations, I've, I've learned to always take responsibility. And I think she might dislike that because what she knows I'm saying is, it's your fault. Mm. And I think once we adopt, it is my fault, then that is the first step to solving it. Okay, things didn't work out. Cool. It's your fault. What are you going to do about it? That sounds really harsh. But once you take responsibility, actually, you're not waiting for a saviour to come and miraculously solve it for you. And then you might not get to 35 or 40 and have a midlife crisis when you realise, oh, that saviour definitely isn't coming. Mm. Yeah, and I think we are seeing this. Um with a lot of people who have been sold the idea that they can take a step back and just wait for something to happen in their lives mm. to transform it. Um, both men and women. And I don't know whether it's Disney. I don't know whether it's the lessons that are being taught at home, which have convinced people. You can just sit. And I think the issue is that with the with social media in particular, that that false narrative can be amplified of I was just living my life and then all of a sudden with a snap of the fingers I'm Cinderella <laughs> or with a snap of the fingers I'm Spider-Man I've got superpowers um, yeah. and what, what, what a lot of the successful people have been shouting about for a very for a very long time is how hard it is but even hard work now can almost be seen as some sort of kind of aesthetic. So mm. I would rather look like I'm working hard than actually work hard. And for me to conclude, what I would say is that to empathize with serious people, conscientious people, whatever you want to refer to it as, is to understand what it, it would be like if the buck stopped with you. In your entire life, 
if you were the end of the road, if you think about the person who you rely on and who relies on them and who relies on them, etc. If you were the person at the back of the queue where if everybody fell, you would be the last person behind them. To empathize with those people is to understand what it is like to be at the back of the queue or be close to the back of the queue. I think that's the first thing. And some people are fortunate enough to have three or four people who, if they fall, they will catch them. Beautiful situation. Imagine you had one. Imagine you had none. That is the the first point. The second point is how do you alleviate some of the stress and pressure that some of these people who are quote-unquote serious face delegate what is on their plate that could be taken off their plate if you want to see their shoulders loosen if you want to see them relax you have to understand what's on their plate and what can be taken away and finally if you truly 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 want to see this person change their mindset the last thing that you can do is to be the serious person that they rely on swap places with them Swap places with them so that they don't have to do all of the thinking. Honestly, most of those people in that situation have been in it for so long that they won't want to swap places because of the muscle memory that they've developed. And also out of fear that you're not capable. Because they know what it takes. But those are the ways that I think we can at least do a better job of supporting those quote-unquote serious people around us. I think to add some balance, we need to do an episode about joy and what it means to do, what it means to to be truly joyful, to yes. have a work-life balance, etc. But I think today was a defense of those people, of those hardworking women, those hardworking men who people constantly critique as being too serious. Mm. Think about what life would be like if they weren't. <laughs> 27 years cost 27 years. <laughs> Some people will get the reference. One of my last comments will be to those who have never had to be serious. They're self-aware enough to realise, actually, I, I had a level of privilege compared to many people I know and it just wasn't necessary for me to be serious. And my retort to them would be, it is necessary for you to be serious. And it's, it's not purely to survive, but it's to find what you could be in your highest form. Like, what could you actually contribute to the world? What could you give to an individual? Who could you become if you were intentional and deliberate? That is a worthy pursuit in life irrespective of how much privilege you might have really reflecting upon that and pursuing it will bring about joy but also happiness um, it's recently i i heard someone else say something which i've said beforehand and i was like wow it's okay someone else is thinking like this and the, the gentleman was saying when i get to heaven i do not want the heavenly father to show me what i could have been and I don't mm. want that person to be a stranger to me. Mm. And genuinely, whenever I think about that, there is a there's a stillness in me. I become very serious because I'm forced to 
really evaluate um, what must I stop doing? What must I start doing? What must I continue doing? How am I helping the others around me by being the best version of myself so that they can be the best version of themselves? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I love that. We could delve into this for another hour, I'm sure. But mm. I think we've probably riled up a few people enough that we should get some retorts. If you completely disagree with what's been shared today, then there is no space for you to reply. So that's unfortunate. No, I'm joking. Feel free to get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts. Um, expensive lessons on Instagram. DM us, comment, let us know how you feel about what we've shared. Honestly, I want to open a conversation because I think there's a lot of counter narratives to this and mm. I'd be looking forward to have a a fair, generous and honest debate about how we achieve balance. But from us, this has just been another episode of Expensive Lessons, Rant Edition, where company directors share with you the experience, the fruit of our labour, the honest interpretation of the world that we see in front of us and hopefully provide some added value and some useful insight. Look forward to catching you next time. Take care. Stay blessed.